Hello, welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights, advice on specific challenges, best practices, and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these tough times. I'm Joy McKnight, Managing Editor of The Banker, and my guest this week is Andrew Tobin, EMEA Managing Director at Evernim, which aims to solve the digital identity crisis. Thanks for joining me, Andrew. You're very welcome. Nice to uh, talk to you. Excellent. Uh, So we're in these unprecedented times, which means countries are taking unprecedented measures. But Andrew, you know, how are countries riding roughshod over citizen privacy in favour of identifying cases of COVID-19 and mitigating its spread? Yeah, that's a great question, isn't it? Um, I think this whole crisis um, is is kickstarting a need for... um, what we call trust at a distance, the ability mm-hmm. to know who you're dealing with and know something about them. Um, and we're seeing some interesting ways for that to be implemented. So, uh, you know, lots of interest in contact tracing apps and um, uh, other apps that are, are going to alert you if um, if somebody you've, you've come into contact with has, has reported symptoms and symptom trackers and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen some interesting effects in uh, China, particularly about how they're doing this in a, as you say, a very invasive way, mm. but they already have that infrastructure in place to do it. Um, we've seen also in other countries uh, that the authorities ring up your phone to check you still have it with you. And if you don't have it with you, they will come and come to your house or your apartment and see if you're there. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that sort of thing would really fly uh, in the UK. Um, but there are contact tracing and symptom tracking apps uh, that are being suggested at the moment. And mm-hmm. it's a really tricky conundrum because one of the most insidious consequences of the digital age is the, the ability to correlate people in everything mm. they do. And that's why you get chased across the internet for the barbecue that you happen to look at mm-hmm. you know, four weeks ago. Um, because you're being correlated across everything you do. But here we have a situation where in order to um, track the disease and do contact tracing, correlation is the exact thing that they want to do. Um, So you can think of it from that perspective as being quite a good thing to be able to correlate the people you interact with if you can do it in a way that's suitably anonymous. The question is then what happens afterwards? And I don't think anyone's quite thought that far ahead yet, <laughs> which which could bring some other unintended consequences uh, with it as well, I think. So do you think that there is a risk that these surveillance systems could be, become sort of a lasting part of society? Um, yes, that's a, a really good question. Um, I think, first of all, you probably need to look at what they know about us already. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I would imagine Facebook or Google or Apple could probably do this already with what they know. They know where you are. They know who is near where you are. Um, They already know this already. Um, I think if they admitted it in such a way that says, oh, don't worry about having a new contact tracing app, we can already do it for you, Mm. there would be a bit of a rebellion. Um, So the way that um, the Bluetooth-enabled... Uh, contact tracing works it's actually quite good and it's quite clever how it works Um, 
the question is then what could it be used for afterwards um, and what could happen to it so maybe it's it's kind of it's solving a problem around who do you know and who have you been near a, a better problem to solve is probably one that says have you been vaccinated mm -hmm. um, because that's asking a much more positive question to which there's a much more useful answer um, so it, it's tricky right now that there's there's a desire not to be correlated with everything you do but correlation is a thing that you have to do in order to be able to do contact tracing so mm. so it's an interesting conundrum isn't it mm -hmm. but what existing technology could maybe be used in the sense of preserving privacy mm. while mitigating the spread of COVID-19 yeah um I think that there's been a lot of discussion about um immunity passports which make mm. a lot of people quite uncomfortable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the main reason, actually, they make people uncomfortable, and, and we deal, um, uh, we've, we've had lots of requests for something like this coming into Evanim. Um, but one of the main reasons they make people uncomfortable is because nobody knows if you can be immune yet. Mm -hmm. So having an immunity passport may not mean anything. Similarly, having evidence of a test result may not mean anything because you could get infected 10 minutes later. Mm -hmm. So it only shows, you know, evidence of um, you complying with some process. It doesn't show uh, anything about whether you're, um, uh, you're, you're currently at risk or not. So I think what will happen is um, as a vaccination becomes available, which I'm pretty sure it will, being able to prove to anybody you have been vaccinated and that it was only you that's been vaccinated. And this is, and this is who it was who vaccinated you. So it's a trustworthy source mm -hmm. that the data is coming from. That capability is is exactly what Evanim and, and others in um, in a, a sort of global ecosystem uh, that are working on what are called digital credentials. Mm -hmm. That's all we're working on at the moment. And the problem we're trying to solve is is how do you prove something digitally that would seem very easy to prove if you were you know, face to face with somebody, you have a piece of paper and you hand it to them. How do you mm -hmm. do that digitally and establish that that trust at a distance? Um, so that's the problem we're trying to solve. The digital credentials are um, a sort of step change in how we prove who we are or what what entitlements we have in a digital way, rather than having physical pieces of paper. Okay, but uh, are you using, let's say, blockchain for this solution? And I'm wondering why, you know, what attributes a blockchain has that mm. can actually be used in terms of preserving privacy yeah. while, you know, uh, you know, even if, you know, these immunity passports, maybe there's some controversy over that. But, mm. um, but the use of that technology actually can maybe uh, come up with a solution. Yeah. Um, so if we sort of step back a little bit, the, what is the need? Well, the need is for us to, um, every time we, we get a physical credential, like a um, driving license, a passport, a vaccination certificate, if we're going to get one of those on a piece of paper, um, why can't we get a digital one? Mm -hmm. And it seems so obvious, you know, well, can you, can I have that digitally, please? Just give it to me so I can keep it on my phone and I can use it wherever I want. But that doesn't happen because there's no standards for how to, how to issue and verify digital credentials, or there mm -hmm. haven't been until recently. But now there is a global effort underway to standardize 
um, digital credential issuance and verification processes. And that's, that effort is underway at the World Wide Web Consortium, which does mm. um, carries out you know, the vast majority of internet standards. Um, so that's the first thing is having some, some standardized way of exchanging information such that anybody can verify it's authentic. Okay, if you achieve that, then that's a huge step forward. Then there are, the next question is, um, if I was to present you with a digital vaccination certificate, how do you confirm it's authentic? Mm. Um, there's no point in me giving it to you unless you can check. <laughs> so mm. so um, this is where there is an element of blockchain capability in here. So the first thing to bear in mind is that um, if I want to show you some information about myself, I need to do that in a way that preserves my privacy. Okay, so we call these safe digital credentials, that they're not leaking information, they're not letting you get correlated across everything you do. Um, and you need a way to verify that the data I'm giving you is authentic. And what we use a blockchain for in this situation is holding some of the um, uh, issuer encryption keys that are used for verifying the authenticity of data. Okay, so, a, so an issuer of a credential, it could be like the DVLA or the passport office or a hospital or a testing station, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Um, they put a small amount of information on a ledger, which allows anybody in the world to uh, verify the authenticity of a credential that you have. Um, and this gives you a number of things. It gives you, you know, global scalability um, because anyone in the world who can read the issuer's keys from this ledger or blockchain is able to verify the credential that you gave them. Um, it means that the recipient, if I, if I show you this um, vaccination credential, for example, you don't have to connect back to the, the authority that issued that. Mm -hmm. Because if you had to connect back to them, they would know, oh, you know, Andy is talking to Joy, right? Mm -hmm. Andy's, Andy's gone over to Joy and, and has, has shown this thing. So what's, what's he doing over there? And they could then correlate everything you do. So um, because of the way that digital credentials work, you can verify the authenticity of them without have, ever having to contact the issuer of those credentials, which gives you a massive scale benefit and also a massive privacy benefit for the, uh, for the person as well. Okay. My last question is really around, and I think you touched on it a little bit in the, one of the previous questions, um, but it's around this newly launched COVID-19 credentials initiative. Yep. Now, can you tell me a little bit more about that and how the different organizations come together and you know what's the goals? Yeah, sure. Um, so as the COVID-19 crisis got moving, um, we were receiving quite a lot of um, questions from people who you know, they, they'd worked out oh, you know, a way to solve some of these problems here would be to have digital credentials that are interoperable globally. Mm -hmm. who's, who's involved in that? Well, Evan and are involved. Let's give them a ring. So we had unprecedented amounts of interest coming in um, to say, could we use these digital credentials for, um, they were talking initially about immunity, um, but also now looking at other things like um, what the world looks like in a post-COVID situation, okay, um, where trust at a distance has to be uh, has to be paramount, and um, 
we then uh, said, well, there seem to be lots of organizations involved in digital credentials around the world. Let's bring them all together and see if we can look at the rules um, around credentials in a COVID world. What might those credentials be? Mm-hmm. How are they going to be useful? Um, what would they contain? Who would issue them? Who would verify them? Um, and also the technical tools that are needed um, in order to make a, a digital credential capability or ecosystem work for uh, for um, uh, a COVID world. So um, I can't remember the number of organizations in now. It's probably something like 70, 80, some, some big mm-hmm. names, lots of entrepreneurial companies involved. Mm. Um, and we're all working together to to, to really use this um, catalyst of a global pandemic to say, well, this is actually a way that we can um, we can change the digital world for the better, rather than having an intermediary that sees everything you do and correlates everything you do and breaches your privacy everywhere. If we can use digital credentials instead, we can enhance people's privacy enhance their security and, and really create a new way to move and prove data between um, between people. So that's what the COVID credential initiative is all about. Um, but bear in mind that digital credentials can be anything. Um, we've recently uh, completed a really good project with um, six UK banks working with the FCA um, and uh, Deloitte and an organization called Onfido to show oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. to show digital credentials can be used for onboarding to get a bank account in 10 seconds. And we have another project at the moment with the National Health Service to enable doctors to have what they call a digital staff passport that enables a doctor to move hospitals really quickly and be onboarded in a few seconds rather than you know taking hours or days to be onboarded. Mm-hmm. So digital credentials can be about anything. Um, it just so happens there's a lot of interest in in the sort of COVID world about how they could help which is why we're talking now um, but literally they will they'll enable businesses organizations to transform previously untransformable uh, business processes that they they were just stuck with because they couldn't authenticate who they're dealing with online excellent well thank you so much for your insights andrew thanks to our audience for listening keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcast on itunes spotify and acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcast. Thank you very much. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.